Welcome to Motivators in Motion, where the world's top talent give you a daily dose of what drives them towards excellence to give you the inspiration you need to pursue your passion. Listen in as industry professionals, elite athletes, and star-studded entertainers share their unique experiences and encourage you to take that next step toward achieving your dream. It's time to put yourself in motion with your host, Brad Delius. Hey everyone, are you ready to be motivated? Today we're going to be speaking with Thomas Jordan. Thomas is an entertainment reporter, TV host, and producer. He's worked in LA covering red carpet events for Fox News and has worked all across the West Coast working for other great media outlets. We're going to chat with Thomas about his work and more in just a second, but first, let's thank our sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial right now at audibletrial.com slash motivatorsemotion. With a busy schedule, I don't get in as much reading as I probably should. Audible allows me to finally check out that book that everyone's been talking about. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Check it out right now for free at audibletrial.com slash motivatorsemotion. Thomas, welcome to the podcast, man. It's great to have you on. If you could just start out by telling everyone what you're most excited about in your life right now. Well, hey, man, thank you so much for having me. Uh, What I'm most excited for is honestly just creating my own content. Uh, Like, you you know, you've got your own podcast. It's, you know, I've got one kind of in the works, you know, creating YouTube videos uh, with other interviews that are going on here in Atlanta uh, and Los Angeles, as well as just meeting and networking with other entertainment professionals that are in the industry. But yeah, I'm super stoked to be, you know, talking to you, a fellow content creator, because it's just, I don't think people realize how important it is. Like, yeah, these jobs that we get are super cool, but to actually own all the content outright, not have to ask for permission or anything like that, or any creative control is uh, quite the feeling. (laughs) How would you compare, because you mentioned there, both of us are very much so independent content creators in many respects. How would you kind of compare and contrast people who are going down the independent route, whether it is their own podcast, something that they're working for more of an independent basis versus folks who are working for a larger company in that type of capacity, maybe comparing and contrasting for people who are new to the industry and looking to see how how it might be best for them, what might be most beneficial to see what path is really um, up their realm ultimately. Yeah, there's pros and cons to both. Like um, just starting in media, if you, you know, when you get your first job, whether it's out of school or not, I mean, you're not going to be getting paid much. You're going to be getting paid unless things have changed anywhere between 25000 and 30000 a year, um, which doesn't sound too bad, I guess you could say. But the amount of hours you work, I mean, you're literally working for pennies. Um, and then we always used to joke about it is uh, in the newsroom in my first market, we made just enough money to not collect food stamps (laughs) like it was just it's just a lot but and honestly when you go into especially your first media job i mean you are going to be working around the clock and the like 
my first year was the hardest year because I, you know, excuse me, I went to the Connecticut School of Broadcasting, as we talked about earlier. I learned how to shoot, write, edit, and all that stuff. But everything went out the window day one of my first job because I just, I just wasn't prepared. Like I was, but I wasn't, you know, we were under strict deadlines. We had, you know, I mean, just the amount of work we had to do was insane and it broke me. Like, I just remember sitting there and I just that tear ran down my face. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And then, you know, I call it the click when, you know, eight to nine to 10 months, whatever your learning curve is, kicks in and, you, you know, you get in your groove and you start firing away. It was like the best, worst experience ever because just mentally, just it took such a toll on me. But without it, it wouldn't have shaped me into everything else that I had then now you know you, you spend a few years it was always my goal to spend a few years in news and then transfer over to the um, entertainment side which I ended up doing through contacts you meet news like there's no way I would have gotten my Los Angeles job without being in news because that's where I got my first you know that's where I you know you network with all these people and things like that but you know um, it's really good just to be in the industry to see how it works, see how the deadlines work, to see your speed, your your writing, shooting, editing capabilities, and it really just kind of holds you into the fire. You know, they you know throws you into the fire of what you actually need to learn about your craft, as well as how the industry works. Um, and I would highly recommend people just go do it and just do it for a couple of years or even like maybe even four years to really just get a handle on it. And then maybe start making your own content or just be making your own content on the side. So you at least know, because I feel like somebody just brand new who's just going to pick up a camera or use their iPhone or, you know, a recorder and just start podcasting or shooting videos. You kind of, you're just kind of all willy nilly, you know? And I mean, there's things you can do and things you can learn, but you know, when you actually have a job, it, you know, makes you focus. So, and at least on the main job, you're not getting you know, you may not be getting paid a lot, but, you know, you're still getting paid. And, you know, when you're creating your own content, it just now you got to get a little creative because no one's writing a check to you unless, you know, you have a sponsor or you're doing paid advertisement or you're doing, you know, if you've got online courses or coaching or uh, affiliate links like or a Patreon, like there's just you've got to kind of figure out and study the content creating game on what I call YouTube university to really figure out how you can make money as a content creator as well. So there's once again, to kind of loop that uh, around, it's just, there's pros and cons to both traditional media. You get paid, but you rarely have creative control. You're kind of on their schedule, but you know, on your, on a content creator side, you're not getting paid period, but you have full content creation control so there's just kind of like a battle between the two one of the things that always comes up in conversation when i'm speaking with people whether they're going to be recent college grads or they've been out of college a couple of years now it always gets brought up in conversation it's like 
what did you do? And you know, what did what did someone else do that you've heard of who got that role, that gig? And maybe it was just a gig in Bismarck, North Dakota, you know, in in the middle of nowhere type of a location. Uh, but it was too big because they're getting those on air reps, right? But they're like, what did you do? Because so many times people just don't hear back when they apply for a lot of these on air positions, whether it be a weekend, nighttime news reporter, sports reporter, whatever it may be, those are really hard to come by still, even though it might be smaller part-time work. What did you do when you were looking for that first gig or two that really set you apart? Not just the contacts, because we can know people here and there. We know how that goes a lot of times in general, but if you don't have the content to back it up, no one's really going to vouch for you. Yeah. And that's where you kind of need to you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps and create the content yourself. No one's going to do it for you. It's interesting with the Connecticut School of Broadcasting, before I even went to the school, like I just, I, you got it. Everything's figure outable. You can Google just about anything. And, and I say that, but then I think back, it's like, well, I didn't even understand what a demo reel was and you, what, what you had to have to actually get uh, an on-air job. So you literally kind of have to fake it till you make it and make what's called a demo reel, which is like a video or audio version of like, of what you actually want to do. I was at the Connecticut school broadcasting and I remember I was working at a bank, which was the worst job known to man. Um, it was just soul suckingly bad. And like, I just remember on my breaks, I'd be like Googling and trying to figure everything out. And then when I came across the school and started going, you know, I just started creating my own content, you know, uh, with my own cameras. And it's interesting is I made like a hosting opportunity. I was really big into the nightclub and nightlife scene. And at the clubs, they, these guys would be walking around with video cameras and like these high end photographers. I was like, Oh man. So I just started talking to them one time and I was like, Hey, do you guys by any chance need a host? And they didn't even know what I was talking about. I was like, yeah, I'll talk, you know, interview the, the fans or the DJs and you know, whoever. And it's like, I just want the footage. And they're like, yeah, well, we can't pay you. And I'm like, no, that's fine. Just as long as we agree that I get the footage of me doing these interviews and things like that, we're good. Are we good? And he's like, yeah. And then all of a sudden I was interviewing like these huge, and you, you may know like Steve Aoki, Armin Van Buren, Tiesto, Cascade, Skrillex, like these huge DJs. Now it's like, I didn't even really know who they were. Cause it was just, I was kind of like thrown into it, but I was doing all these interviews and then compiling all this footage. And then later on in my, you know, school career, I was like, I need to edit this thing down into and just basically highlight all the good stuff, which is essentially what's a demo reel. And once again, I created my own like position basically because, you know, I mean, you could apply to a million jobs and, you know, who knows? I mean, it's, uh, there's a lot of competition out there. So sometimes you just need to kind of be a little creative and like think outside the box. It's like, okay, said like this company that I was, you know, doing video for, they had no idea what a host really was. And I just kind of explained what I wanted to do. And they're just like, yeah, dude, you're cool. All right. So sometimes you got to think outside the box. And then I remember (laughs) I actually got fired from that banking job and I had the demo reel put together and I literally spent three months applying for jobs from California back to Texas there, uh, there's a website 
called newsblues.com. It used to be free, but now I think you got to pay, but it's whatever. And it gives you every single TV station that is out there right now. And it gives you all the contact information and you contact the news directors. And I literally was applying for every single on-air job that existed. I wasn't even looking at the title. It was either, you know, a reporter, anchor, weather person, sports person. You were all the above. I was all like, I just was like, okay, I had my, you know, I had the template that I was using for all the news directors. And I literally would just copy and paste the name and the call letters. So it was like Mr. Smith at KKCO in Grand Junction, Colorado. And it said the same thing, but I did that for all the stations and just changed out the name and the call letters. And then here's a link to my demo reel. I literally did that for three solid months. Like didn't stop because I mean, I don't know how many states it is between, you know, California and Texas. It's a lot plus all the stations plus all the like the affiliate stations. And then I was like walking out the door to go to a wedding and a news director from Grand Junction, Colorado was like, hey, uh, we saw your reel. Do you uh, do you want to be a weatherman? I was (laughs) like, "Uh, sure. They're like, do you know anything about weather? I was like, well. You know, when I was a kid, I always wanted to chase tornadoes. And I was like, it's kind of cool. But as long as you have some sort of training program, uh, I think I'll be fine. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we got you. I was like, well, all right. <laughs> and then that's that's kind of where go. that's kind of and that's that's kind of where it goes. I mean, it's a joke about it all the time. It's like, had you told me at that time that I was going to be a weatherman, I would have laughed in your face because I was you know, in these nightclubs at these EDM festivals, you know, interviewing dead mouse and things like that. And it's like going from that type of environment to this clean cut, got his talk straight type person. Uh, it was a bit of a, um, bit of a change for sure. What was the spot that you ended up at throughout your journey so far that you enjoyed the most and, Maybe it's Grand Junction, maybe it is, but what was the spot that you really enjoyed the most that maybe going into it, you didn't think too much of it? It was definitely Grand Junction because like, I had been just working so hard just to get this TV job and I felt like I started late because, you know, all uh, when I got there, when I got to the station, everybody was like super young, like 22, 23, and I was 25, which isn't old, old, but like, I felt old, you know, and then it was interesting because there was three stations. There was the NBC affiliate, the ABC affiliate and the Fox affiliate. And I had gotten there in like the perfect amount of time where all three stations were like everybody who was already at those stations were getting their next job. So it was like a whole new crew for each station and everybody got along so well it was like the best ex- the best experience ever as far as friendships go i still talk to those people you know seven ten years ago, you know from when that started but like i said it was like the best worst time ever because it was great meeting those people made so many great friends it was like the best first market experience that i could have ever asked for but it was definitely the hardest what was a moment on your red carpet tours, if you will, so far, your red carpet experiences that uh, maybe has stood out to you the most, whether it's someone you've interviewed 
or just a particular aspect about red carpets. I've done it myself in the past, as we've talked about, kind of off the air. And um, mm-hmm. they're interesting. They're, there's usually something that happens that you don't expect. Yeah, there was a, there's one in particular, and it actually had to do with Ryan Seacrest. So when I was working at Fox, like you said, Hollywood's a little weird. So first of all, a huge misconception about red carpet events when people watch them on TV. Like you see them, you know, you see them the networks, you know, the ABCs, the KTLAs, the Access Hollywood, E! News, and whoever else. If it's a network, those people are getting paid, like paid pretty well. If it's not, like if it's some third-party affiliate or some magazine you never heard of or something digital, no one's getting paid. And it's just a very big misconception. So when people see interviews on YouTube of just like random people on the red carpet asking questions, chances are nine times out of ten those people aren't being paid one cent. So I was fortunate enough. I worked both sides. So there were other outlets in my outlet where I wasn't paid, but then, you know, I got paid when I was with Fox. But, um, so when American Idol was still on Fox, what ended up happening, uh, and it was, (laughs) this is super funny too, that it was on Fox, but it was shot at the CBS studio, which is really funny. And when they were shooting, you know, we were talking and interviewing all these contestants that were on whatever season it was. You know, Jennifer Lopez was there, who is a stunning individual in person. Um, and By the way, as you know, she just celebrated her 50th birthday in Miami, it, yeah. which yep. is where I'm located at now. And have you heard the, the story about Ryan Seacrest and, and what happened there with him coming to the party, attending it? No, I have not. What happened? Okay, so apparently Ryan Seacrest, you know, he's always Johnny on the spot with everything and is extremely uh-huh. professional, extremely early to get uh-huh. to different events, uh-huh. all that stuff, right? Oh, uh, no. So the, the party started at, um, I guess it was advertised 7 o'clock, you know, come on out, Friday, Saturday night, whatever day it was. And um, so he gets there, what, right at 7 o'clock, right? And literally no one is there when he shows up. He's thinking he's at the wrong place. Uh, is this, do I have the wrong date? What's going on here? So eventually I guess he gets a hold of, uh, one of her, uh, security detail and, uh, or assistant or, or someone um, who's, uh, familiar, was familiar with the party and everything that was going on. And, and they're like, um, oh yeah, this, you, you know, we're on Miami time here, you know, unofficially. Right. And the party really doesn't get started until probably about 10 o'clock at night or so. So he oh, was, no. uh, he was, extremely early and um basically i had to hang out for a couple of hours at that point in time but it 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 just goes to show you that uh he is he's always always trying to be professional and uh more than on time i think in most cases yeah so that's another fun fact about idol press um stuff out in la so since seacrest this is at no fault of his own you know has all these you know he's got his radio show in the morning and now he's got, you know, at this point in time, he's got Kelly and Ryan and then Idol was at night, but, you know, he didn't have Kelly and Ryan, but he was always like, he would never do press because after the show, after the filming, he had to go to bed because he had to be up at four in the morning for his show. So he never did press. Right. So like we're sitting there, I interviewed the contestants and, you know, interview Jennifer Lopez and, um, 
uh, Keith Urban at the time and Harry Connick Jr. I think his name is. Yeah. And we're all packing up. My camera guy are packing up and we're just kind of chatting, pressing, just whatever. This woman comes like barreling around the, like, if you've ever seen a red carpet interview, you can kind of see like the reporter over. There's like a little gate there usually. Um, like if you've ever been to a concert or something like in the front, there's like that size gate. Right. And this woman comes barreling around the corner and just like, since I've got the Fox mic flag, she is like just huffing and puffing, like trying to catch her breath. Like, Hey, like, are you guys, are you guys, did you guys pack up? And I was like, uh, no, I was like, well, actually sort of, she's like, Ryan's coming. Like, can you, uh, can, can you just, can you guys just like get, grab the camera and can we just do this real quick? And I was like, uh, sure. Like not even thinking about it because when you do red carpet events, you also get this thing called a tip sheet, which is an eight by 10 piece of paper with everybody's faces on it and names and where and who basically they are. So you can kind of know who's coming and, you know, all the contestants are on there. Everybody's on there. Yeah. And this is after two years of like the same thing every day. Cause once you want, I always tell people when you work one red carpet event, you work them all because they're all the same essentially. So I just didn't even think about it. And I'm just looking down at my paper. I'm like, who is Ryan? Like, what is she talking about? And I'm like, crap. And, you know, it's like, it's probably some nobody, whatever. And then I look up, like, I'm just not even paying attention. And, like, no one else is around. And I just look up. He's Ryan Seacrest is standing right in front of my face. That is great. And I was like, I was like, um, what's up, dude? <laughs> like, what do you say to, like, it just totally caught me off guard. And I go, can you hold on one second? And I had an intern with me too. And I handed her my phone and like, I pressed record on my phone and I was like, look, just get, just make sure this looks halfway decent. Like if there's one thing you do not screw up today, just please just get me in frame so you can like, so I can have proof of me talking to Ryan Seacrest. And she just, you know, laughed or whatever, but it was just really cool because it just, you know, and then we started talking about Idol and, you know, we're both from Georgia. And then so it was kind of cool like that. But it definitely uh, that's that is definitely one moment that stood out because I just had no clue he was going to be there. Like it just like like I said, he just didn't do press. So I was freaking out. And then all of a sudden, like one of my idols is standing right in front of me, which is super funny because, you know, I had no fault of his own. He's he's kind of he's short. He, he's he's not tall. And I'm, I'm like in my boots, I was probably like six, one, six, two. So it was just funny to be like, Oh, Oh, <laughs> but yeah, he was super cool, super nice about it. And it was actually his sister who was barreling around the corner to, uh, to get the interview. Yeah. You never know. You just never know who's going to show up. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just incredible sometimes with the different people you meet and, uh, the, it's the, the times you least expect it to happen that it usually does. Yeah. And like the curveballs that come at you, like, it's just the weirdest thing. It's like, I just remember being on the carpet and just like waiting for something crazy to happen. Like just stuff would just say, you just try to prepare for it as much as possible. Cause things happen, like things happen so slow at first, but then when the event starts going, you've got to move, like it is fast. And if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to get passed up. And something happened with Chelsea Handler and, um, Chelsea Handler had a show on E at the time that she had just left and I was, she wasn't doing press and like they had said in the beginning that they weren't doing it. 
And I saw her walk by and I just walked up to her and shook her hand. And I was like, hi, I'm Thomas Jordan. And I was like, we're going to do an interview real quick. And I like, as I was shaking her hand, I was kind of like pulling her towards my camera guy. And we just started doing the interview. And it was so crazy because like she caught, like when you, if you've ever seen her, you know, if you've ever watched a Chelsea Handler show or know who she is, like she's just very smart, very quick, very sarcastic, like just, She's like I, watching her show. I was like super intimidated by her because she's just so quick witted. Like, I feel like I'm quick, but she's like a pro. And she caught me off guard because she was like insanely nice. So I was expecting this like quick wit. Like I had my guard up. I'm like, okay, I'm ready for it. And she couldn't have been, it was like a whole different person. She was just insanely nice. And it, and it messed me up the whole interview. I was kind of like, because I was like, so prepared to be like Mr. Witty. And she was just not being, (laughs) she was being herself. She was just super cool. I feel like in broadcast journalism, when we're trying to hunt down these jobs, right? Initially, when we're in our 20s, 30s, it, it's think of yourself as a hunter trying to hunt down some stuff, right? I mean, it, it takes a lot. It, it's a lot of persistence, a lot of follow-ups, all that stuff to try and make it happen and try and lock into that position of on air or whatever, whatever it is you want to be doing is, do you think there's like this, there's this notion of that, you know, it's, it's this, it's this journey to try and try and get this job. And then once people are in it, they realize that, oh, this is actually just kind of the beginning. We have to, there's still, there's still going to be climbing a lot more steps, especially now in 2019, where it's so different than what it used to be, obviously back in the day where someone would stay at a station or two for 20, 30 plus years. Not the mm-hmm. case anymore. In all likelihood, this is not nope. going to be that way. You're going to always be kind of looking for the next thing. Is there, have you come across anyone who maybe has been surprised by that? They've gotten that first job and, and they're like, you know, I'm not going to probably be here forever. So I'm going to have to be continuing to perfect my craft and just keep getting better and better. You know, we, we hear talk about that, but until we actually live it, it's two different things. Yeah, uh, honestly, like I think people who want to get into it, they need to do it for at least a year. And that first year, you will know whether or not this industry is for you or not. Because I'm telling you, it is like I'm telling when I'm not when I told you that, like it broke me, man. Like I was just. Yeah, what I always say is, you know, people are like, well, you know, people tell me no. You know, a lot of times people will say, you know, they get rejected. You know, it's a yes or a no. A lot of times they get rejected with a no. I, I like to kind of joke and say, well, I never even got a response a lot of the time. So, you know, I, yeah. I totally, uh, I totally get where it comes from as far as the it, it's something that everyone has to try and deal with, and that's where, like you had mentioned earlier, getting super creative sometimes is really the only option if you want to keep yourself in the particular media industry or sports entertainment, whatever it is you want to be doing, just so you're kind of around it still and, and somehow being able to bring in some income with it. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, you, you also, I mean, like I said, that first, that first year, whether you're in broadcasting, whether it's, you know, if it's working for another podcast or you're working on the radio or you're working in TV, if you're working in the entertainment, like whatever you want to do, I know we're hyper-focused on broadcasters, whether it's TV, radio, whatever, but like, you just need to do it for a year. And that first year is most likely going to suck. 
Like it's so hard and like you, it'll wa- it it washes people out. Like even all the good friends that I've had over the years over at these news stations, half of them bail out because you know, the pay is kind of crappy and like you're moving around all the time. You're, you know, you seeing, you're trying to see your family during sweeps is like a whole thing. And like, it's just, it is a hard industry and there's not a lot of appreciation for it too much anymore. And like every, it's almost turned into the wild, wild West, but you just like, and I think I told you this a lot yesterday. It was like, I would never discourage somebody from like getting into the industry, especially what we do, but you just need to do it just to see if you can handle it. If it's really your passion. Like for me, like if I could do anything all day, every day, it would just be interviewing. Like, dude, I could seriously talk about this entertainment sports, even though I'm not a huge, huge sports fan, I could talk about this stuff all day whether it's commentating, whether it's interviewing, but if I could do anything, it would be interviewing. And that's what I've kind of done. You know, I've done my time in where, you know, I've got to the top, I got to LA, I got my dream job, whatever. But now it's like, okay, now I want to do it my way. And, but once again, it's just, it's super hard. Like there's just so many factors and what did you say? And I meant to write it down. Um, No, I lost my train of thought there. Sorry, but yeah, it's, Oh, you said the nose. Yes, or just just not even getting a response. Yeah, yeah, or just not. Which is super funny because when you're applying for jobs, especially when you're applying for jobs in like the bottom of the barrel markets, and like you're not hearing back from like Cheyenne, Wyoming, of like market two hundred five, you're just like, oh god, (laughs) like what have I done? But then it's just like, it's just like it, and that's that season. And then like the next season, it's like, okay, your next job. And then it's like, when you're moving up the ladder, like even my friends up at the networks, you know, who've been in the broadcast industry all the time. Like my buddy just got an interview in New York, which is market one. And not even the the first question out of the news director's mouth was, can you MMJ? And for those of you who don't know, MMJ is multimedia journalist, which means you write, shoot, edit your own stuff. But when you get to market one, it's almost like you put in your time of doing it all yourself and you just don't want to do it anymore. And that's the way the industry is going. But and to just last bit before I get too crazy off into a tangent, the no thing, you're going to, whether you don't hear a response or you get the no, I feel like everybody is like, they slip into like the seventh circle of depression when they hear the word no. And that's how I was for a while or not getting a response. And it's just, you have to train your mind, which I'm still doing and I'm getting a little bit better at it with full disclosure. But it's like, when you hear no, it's just like, okay, you got knocked down you get back up. So whether it's a job, an interview, whatever, regardless, just do your best at that moment, whether you're applying for the job or, you know, you're applying for that interview or whatever. And if you hear from them and they say no, like just whatever, like it's out of you. You can't get mad at what you cannot control. And it's like there's such a negative connotation with the word no or failing. And it's like I've definitely tried to reverse that where it's like you fail forward it's like, okay, this didn't work. It's like, now you got to do this, this, and that. And then I've also called it the Edison effect, like Thomas Edison, you know, 
with the incandescent light bulb, you know, is what like this, whatever piece of glass and two little rods or whatever, like he was working on that for like 10 plus years. Can you like, I can't imagine what that guy was going through. You know what I'm saying? Like you're sitting there with a piece of glass and this two, these two wires trying to get electricity to work for 10 plus years. Like I'm, I'm surprised he didn't throw himself out the window. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's just like, you just, you've got to kind of flip the script on it and just keep moving forward. No matter what, don't get hung up on the nose. It's a law of averages for every no, there's a yes. What's your take on trying to build connections through people via LinkedIn, whether it's people who work in human resources at particular companies that maybe you want to work at down the line. Do you have thoughts on trying to establish somewhat of a rapport and just kind of network with people? And a lot of times, obviously, you don't have an opportunity to meet these people in real life. So your only opportunity maybe is to reach out to them in in like a cold email, sort of say. Are you a believer in trying to maybe help yourself to build relationships so one day, you never know, someone might have an opportunity they are happen to be the hiring manager and they obviously are familiar with your work. So it's funny you ask that. That's like my whole, that's one of my big pillars for this year is to build relationships, whether it's, I'm more of an in-person guy and LinkedIn is like, it's a beast in itself. Like it's tough because I feel like over the years, LinkedIn has like become just spam central. Like even, even now I get spammed with, you know, you know, like, Oh, you got to check out this new thing I'm producing or whatever, but you just, it is a cold email and it's, but you've got to get creative. So, you know, go the, you know, go the traditional route because even when I'm, you know, back in Atlanta, I looked up all the news directors for the local news stations here on LinkedIn and just sent them like a message like, Hey, thanks for connecting. Da, 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 da. And I didn't hear back, you know, and you see in their inbox that they've read it and they're like, okay, well, I know you clicked on it because you saw the little notification, but you didn't email me back, whatever. So it's just like, you just gotta, it's like the no thing. It's like, okay, that didn't work. And then it's like, you try a couple other, like you follow up a few more times and then you get their, you know, you find their email in the LinkedIn thing or quick tip is or pro tip is you call the news station or wherever you're trying to, get and just find the news director and be like, Oh, is, uh, is Nancy still the news director over there? Like to the assignment desk, call the assignment desk. And they'll be like, Oh yeah, she's still, she's still the news. Oh really? What's your email? And then they'll give it to you. And then just be like, does she have a direct line? And they're like, Oh yeah. And I'm like, wow, that was easy. So if you really want to get, you know, if you really got some stones on you and you really want to call them, go ahead. What are they going to do? Say no, what are you going to do? Hang up, you know? So it's like, but there's ways to do that too. Like call, but don't like what I, what part of my game is like, I'll call a news director or whoever the hiring manager. And if you get a voicemail, don't leave a voicemail. And then the next time you call, then leave a voicemail because then they're just, cause you know, then you're not waiting or, you know, you could catch them at a decent time or whatever, but you just need to get creative. LinkedIn is tough because it's just a beast and a lot and it's kind of complicated when you break it down but it's like i don't ever you know i don't ever you know discount it by any means i'll still take a swing at that and if it's not working you know you just gotta you just gotta kind of think outside the box like what's gonna get their attention and it's like you don't want to overdo it either like a once a week thing for a little bit and then you know take a break and then 
you know, let a couple weeks go by, then don't just spam the crap out of them because then they're going to get pissed. You just, you know, especially in our industry, like there's a difference between annoying and persistent. You just got to kind of find that, that happy medium. And LinkedIn's a good way to figure stuff out. Like you just got to figure out what works and what doesn't work and just follow up. Like just because you didn't hear something the first month doesn't mean anything. Like those people move around too. So it's like, just keep, following up like whether it's every week every two weeks every three weeks you got to follow up yeah and it, it is funny that you mentioned the being you know uh it's like that balance of trying to be not too pushy but at the same time doing it in a professional manner and i just i really have come to the point where i i just think you really almost do have to be a pain in the ass to people really sometimes to to kind of get their attention just because we just move at the speed of light all of us with everything we're doing on a regular basis and to really have you come across in your experience is, is it more so that people reward the persistence or is it the opposite where more times than not people are just annoyed by what you're doing? What have you found with that? I've never gotten, cause I, I, I feel like I'm pretty self-aware and I know what annoying is and I know what persistent, like I know the distinct difference between the two, especially when you work in the news industry, like, and you're on a deadline and that's when you can be a little bit pushy. But then again, you're working with a media outlet. Like what used to happen all the time is I would call to set up an interview for a story I was working on. And they're like, Oh, well, you know, we got to go to lunch. Uh, can you do it after lunch? It's like, uh, no, this will take five minutes. Can you please just like, you know, you got to push a little bit because you're on a deadline and the news starts without you. So that's a little different, but like, I have got the time that I've been praised on my persistence is when I do my own content and my own interviews. Like uh, we spoke about, you know, for your Miami listeners, there's a show in Miami called Deco Drive, and there's a really good entertainment reporter by the name of Chris Van Vliet. And I think he's actually about to leave Deco Drive to, I think he's like an announcer on the new AEW thing on TNT for wrestling. So he's crushing it. But for him, he's at, I think he just at this point crossed 200,000 on YouTube. When I first found him, he had, I think like 30,000 followers or subscribers on YouTube. And like, it was just a constant, like, you know, if there's any Gary V fans out there, we call it the jab, 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 right hook. And that just basically, yeah. So like, for those of you don't know, it's like, don't go in like, Hey, can we do an interview? Cause then they're going to be like, who the hell are you? For years, I'm talking years, I was jabbing like, hey, man, like commenting on his stuff, like whatever. And then finally, when he was in L.A., he was, I was just like, hey, man, you know, uh, do you, you know, uh, is it possible to do an interview? Like, I really like your stuff, whatever. And he's like, yeah. And then, like, it didn't work out for the next two times he was in L.A. And then another time he was in L.A., he contacted me and he was like, D- you know, can we do the interview today? And so that was like, I mean, I've had interviews where it's taken years to finally just get them in the right place because you're on everyone else's schedule. So I was and one of the things he said, and I've had a couple other people say that, you know, that I was very, very persistent. And I even put that in my I even put that in my uh, Instagram profile because when I have my eyes locked on something, especially like setting up interviews with people, like I don't let off. Like if you, if they give me a window, I'm jumping through 
And once I'm through the window, I'm going to keep jabbing in a professional way to finally get that interview. It could take a year. It could take a month. I've even got, you know, a couple interviews in the hopper that I don't want to talk about right now because I don't want to jinx it. But it's just like that, just constant, constant jab, 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 and then go in for the ask. Yeah, I, I love that. It's, yeah, absolutely. It's relentlessness. That's what it takes. And honest, and honestly, yeah. patience too, because like, I mean, I wanted to interview that guy for five years. Like, it almost sounds a little weird, but it was like, no, like, you know, we had chatted all the time and he, you know, he, you know, was super cool. And, you know, at the time went over my reel, gave me some tips or whatever, but it's just like, you just build those relation. And that's like anything else. Relationships take time. Everyone wants it now. And I have to sip my own Kool-Aid too, because it's frustrating. We do just want it now because we just want to create our own content. But you got to be you've got to be persistent, and you've got to know kind of where the line is, and you've got to really just you know. And I'm sure you know people will tell you, but you're right. You know, you've got to kind of be a thorn in somebody's side one time until they tell you no. And even if they did tell you that, and you're just like learning how to not be annoying, like if it's annoying to that person, somebody else may be like, "Damn, well, if they're that persistent to talk to me." If I hire them, who like, and I need him to go after him, he's going to be super sent. So it just depends who you're talking to. But like, yeah, I, I agree. Sometimes you need to kind of be a thorn in somebody's side until they say no, depending on how bad you want it. What's continued to motivate you and, and push you through the peaks and valleys that we all go through? We talked about them earlier, especially when you're not hearing back from the Topeka, Kansases of the world, uh, the smaller markets, and you're just like, wow, is, is it ever going to happen? You know, Are you ever going to be able to break through? What has motivated you in the past and what will motivate you in the future if more challenging times, it's, it's inevitable for everybody when they do come around that you'll be able to, you know, really be able to get through it because you just have this constant about you, whatever that may be that allows you to keep pushing through. Yeah. At first it was just, and it's always been there. So it's, so back in the day when satellites didn't exist for like TV and all you had was cable, my parents, you know, we got, uh, we finally got cable, which meant we finally got MTV and I saw Carson Daly uh, hosting the show called TRL, Total Request Live. And I just remember sitting there watching. I was like, wait a minute. This dude gets to go on TV and talk to beautiful women, interact with cool people, talk to the bands and all these celebrities. I was like, it was like the weirdest moment. I was like, that is what I wanted to do. And ever since then, like, it's like, I've always been just trying to figure out ways to do that. And it's always been that like fire inside. Like I can't turn it off every day. It's the first thing I think about when I wake up and like the last thing I think about, and it's just constantly on my mind. So it's like, now that I've gotten a taste and gotten to the top, like I can't, I can't turn back now. Like, it's just, it won't, I, if I was doing some, crap job like i just couldn't do it i couldn't do a nine to five anymore like after working for myself i can't go back because i would go insane i would just i would go crazy so that fire inside is just that and that's just me not everybody has it there's a lot of people who don't know what they want to do and i just remember when that reel got finished um with uh when i was at the connecticut school of broadcasting got my first reel done and it was just like, just to get that job, I, I literally was three months of just grinding it out. 
and just reply and just you know applying everywhere I remember even spending the extra and i'm pretty frugal so to spend 13 dollars on wi-fi just so i could you know apply for jobs while i was on the plane i was just so re- like you just got to be relentless and persistent because you're just going to hear just so many no's and you just got to be able to have a thick skin and you've got to be able to take the nose because it's just it's just a brutal industry but that's that was always like that fire inside of just, has just always like pushed me into one season after the other so it was like okay first season how do i get this job second season okay i got the job how do i get my next job and then that happened a couple more times it's like okay now i'm in la now I want to get this job. So it's just like you just constantly just push and push and push and just you just meet as many people as you possibly can because it will be the least expectant person to like come through in a clutch. For example, the guy like I was in LA for five years total, but I remember like the second year I was there, like trying to get these entertainment jobs. And one of my best friends from Colorado was like, we, him and I, we hadn't talked in months and he called me and he's like, Hey man, you're still in LA. Right. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, Oh, did I ever tell you I worked in the entertainment division over at Fox? And I was like, bro, I've known you for four years and we've never had this conversation. You're just now telling me this. And sure enough, like LA, it's just, it was a six month process, but then I got the job through one of my best friends who came from Colorado five years later and he knew I was in LA. Like you just like, you just never know when it's going to happen. Like it'll come out of nowhere. Well, Thomas, man, I don't think there's any question about it. All the work you've put in, all the different things you're doing on a consistent basis, you're definitely a motivator in motion. Definitely keep killing it with everything you're doing. It's just the beginning, obviously. And, and you know, same here. I can relate a lot to a lot of the different things you have going on. So I definitely appreciate you and your work. And, you know, for people who want to continue to follow you or maybe check you out for the first time, where's the best place for them to go? Well, uh, right now, uh, I'm kind of doing something similar with you. Um, I'm trying to put out as much value as humanly possible right now. Uh, so I'm in Thomas Jordan TV across the board. So on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, um, you know, YouTube is where, you know, I'm putting out, you know, a lot of how-to videos about the industry. I'll also be coming up with a podcast soon. But yeah, you can find me at Thomas Jordan TV just about anywhere on the internet. Thomas, continued success, man. Thank you for motivating us a little bit here today on Motivators in Motion. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you so much for taking the time out and having me on your show. I seriously appreciate it. For you, the listeners of Motivators in Motion, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Just go to audibletrial.com slash motivatorsinmotion. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash motivators in motion for your free audiobook. That's all for this episode of Motivators in Motion. For more information to keep you motivated between episodes, be sure to visit motivatorsinmotion.com to sign up for our newsletter and receive daily inspirational tips, strategies, and resources. That's available exclusively on motivatorsinmotion.com.